You are listening to Thulos, a podcast of the Ephesus School Network. Thulos explores servant leadership as an Orthodox Christian. I'm Holly Benton, your host and executive director of the Orthodox Christian Leadership Initiative. I'm excited to be joined today by Deacon Sean Reed and Father Paul Lundberg. They both are professional certified coaches and serve as parish health coaches for Dulos, the intensive program and servant leadership for parish leadership teams and parish councils. Deacon Sean Reed runs his own company, Arrowhead Coaching and Facilitation Solutions, which provides coaching and consulting solutions in the areas of leadership development, operational planning, and leadership communication. He also serves at the St. Maria of Paris Mission in Hamilton, Ontario. And Father Paul Lundberg helps individuals and teams work for transformative growth towards their goals through his own company, Alexis Partners, which also focuses on leadership development. Father Paul serves at the Annunciation Greek Orthodox Church in Montgomery, Alabama. Welcome to you both, Father Paul and Deacon Sean. Thanks, Holly. Great to be here. So our listeners may remember the interview that we had with Father Barnabas Powell and Dean Harbury, who introduced the Orthodox Coaching Network, which we're launching through our website at orthodoxserventleaders.com. First, this network is intended to connect professional coaches with a network of like-minded Orthodox coaches. Second, we hope to connect potential clients seeking professional coaching services from an Orthodox coaching network. And finally, we want to provide professional coaches opportunities to offer their coaching services to other Orthodox Christians, both clergy and parishioners, as a mutually enriching exchange and blessing within the body of Christ. So what possibilities do you envision, Father Paul and Deacon Sean, for offering such a coaching network? Well, Holly... I will say that the thing that excites me most about this initiative of the Orthodox Christian Leadership Initiative is that it is in line with the mantra or one of the mantras of one of my favorite thinkers, who is Seth Godin, who talks a lot about finding your smallest viable audience, your smallest viable audience or the smallest viable group of people that you can serve is really exciting because you just know you have things in common with them. It's like when kids come to camp and they just let down their guard because they know these people get me. Mm -hmm. These people know what it's like to be orthodox in a non-orthodox world. And so I think that there's a level of comfort and ease that comes with knowing that you have your faith in common. How about you, Deacon Sean? I would echo what Father Paul has said. I think also there is a lot of confusion about the different styles of coaching that are out there. There's so many different modalities within coaching and different influences that come into it and perspectives as father was referring some of the different perspectives. So having, I think a sense that the coach you're working with is coming from an Orthodox Christian perspective can be reassuring. And also that has some connotations for the kinds of work that you may be experiencing and engaged in in the coaching process, and probably also some of the things you're not going to get into that are incompatible with Orthodox belief and values. Yeah, well said. Father Paul, you suggested a reading of a few verses from Psalm 40 to ground our conversation today. Let me just read them, starting with verse 6. Sacrifice and offering thou dost not desire, but thou hast given me an open ear, Burnt offering and sin offering thou hast not required. Then I said, Lo, I come. In the roll of the book it is written of me, I delight to do thy will. O my God, thy law is written within my heart. 
I love the open ear. And that was the first thing I thought about when you asked for possible scriptural passages to ground our time and our conversation together. But I'm so glad that you expanded that to include verses seven and eight, because it reminds us who is the one we are ultimately listening to and listening for. And I also love the end of verse eight, and your law is within my heart, because it reminds us of our being made in the image of God and how so much of coaching is dealing with the person. As Orthodox Christians, we, of course, have this foundational belief that we are made in God's image. And so the deep listening that's involved in coaching is not just as a coach listening to a client, but also listening for and listening to where God might be in the conversation. And that's the most exciting thing for me about coaching from a Christian perspective is that there's always a third person in the room. As coaching professionals, I understand you strive to listen well. You know, offering as the Lord does a listening ear, you strive to offer a listening ear to your clients, both to what is said and perhaps to what isn't being said, to utilize open questions and curiosity in coaching your clients. Father Paul, would you say a bit more about how you use powerful questions, listening, and curiosity in a coaching practice? Sure, Holly. I'll just draw on an experience I had this morning, two client calls this morning, and because they're fresh in my mind, (laughs) I'll uh, just draw from the first one. I was working with a woman who's in career transition, and the work that she brought to our time today, the agenda she brought, was that she wanted to quiet her mind. And she described her mind as an anthill, a really rich image, an anthill that had had a stick thrust into it, a swarm with all kinds of activity and thought. And so I asked her a very simple question. And it was, what do you imagine your mind might be like in that state of quietness that you're seeking? I honestly didn't know the answer to it. And so it was a genuine question from a place of curiosity. But the cool thing that came from it was that on the basis of her answers, she got to an insight about herself. She listed a whole bunch of images in response to that question. And at the end of the call, she came to the conclusion that she was looking for an outside source to be a solution for an internal problem. It was an insight for her that... I may have not been able to present to her if I hadn't asked a very open-ended question from a place of curiosity. Hmm. So Deacon Sean, help us make a connection here. How would exploring a powerful question like that, curiosity, how would it help to develop even more self-awareness? Well, I also was just talking with, a, in this case, a prospective client today. And it's always interesting to ask clients what they envision When they set an agenda, as Father Paul was talking about, they may come in with an agenda. When you kind of start to explore, you know, when we've accomplished this agenda, when you're in that desired state, questions I like to ask are, if I had a secret video camera somewhere and I was spying on you as you were embodying this future state, what would I see? What would I see that's different about who you are or what you're doing or how you're spending your time or how you're interacting with others? is interesting because we don't think about those things normally. We kind of slip into just kind of cruise control and go through the motions. Even for this client today that I was speaking with, it was an opportunity for them to kind of go, huh, 
well, let me dig deeper now, you know, into what I really mean about this. And as you do that, you begin to explore how committed you really are to that belief. You know, is that your belief or is that something that somebody has told you should be where you want to go? But then also it starts to unpack what may be some of the blocks or some of the the obstacles that may prevent the client from moving in that desired direction. And that's when you get to do some really amazing work to help the client move through a process of breaking past that toward their desired state. The other thing I would just add to that is that anthill metaphor is really powerful. And actually that in and of itself is a great sign for where the client is in terms of their own awareness that they can articulate such a powerful metaphor for what they're experiencing. Totally. But also there's a whole bunch of questions about how helpful are those thoughts or what is your relationship? What happens as those ants cross the hill? How are you experiencing that? Are they just sort of moving on past? Are they pulling you along for the ride? Really understanding what impact or what the client's relationship is with all these thoughts. Because the reality is we all have anthills in our head. I've got to jump in and just piggyback on that, Deacon Sean, because my client this morning, she's Christian, but she's not Orthodox. And it's so cool to be able to offer just the richness of our tradition to her and in a way that she has never encountered something like that, perhaps. There was a moment where I just invited her to sit in silence for five minutes and say the Jesus prayer. (laughs) I don't know if she did or not. You know, we both turned our cameras and mics off, but I gave her options. She could do different things besides the Jesus prayer. That's a great example of another aspect of coaching that is beyond just powerful questioning is Mm -hmm. inviting the client to focus in or get the broader, more mainstream term would be around centering, which kind of carries all sorts of baggage with it sometimes for people. But really what we're talking about is just re-engaging with the present moment and connecting to ourselves to a certain degree, but in this case also connecting back to our compass, which is Christ. That's another part of what coaching offers in our partnership with our clients is a partner who can help us get out of dwelling on past and future and get back to the present moment and where we want our focus to be. Well said. So I'd like to ask what possibilities might a newly ordained priest explore as he enters into a new parish ministry? Maybe let's talk first about a new priest who's chomping at the bit to put their theological education and training to good use. Is it possible that imagining too many grandiose possibilities may be the very thing that later causes a crash and burn where their hopes and expectations don't really align with reality? Holly, this question reminds me of a joke from seminary that I think might just as easily pertain to the first couple of years of parish ministry. And the thought was that the first year seminarian wants to save the church. (laughs) The second year seminarian wants to save his parish and third year seminarian just wants to save himself. (laughs) And I think, I think that's probably the experience of a lot of new priests as well. You know, we come into this work with a lot of energy and enthusiasm and love for God. And like you said, a lot of possibilities. And then we, you know, we have this blessed encounter with reality, which, you know, it's like going to the dentist, you know, you're always going to have an encounter with reality when you go to the dentist. (laughs) And sometimes that reality is going to hurt, but it's going to be reality and you need to hear it. 
Yeah, I think that's a really great question. And I'm curious to hear what Deacon Sean would say that I think that your phrase too many grandiose possibilities is the one that I attach to most quickly and, and thought about. And one of the most helpful things I've been able to facilitate for some clients is simply priorities mm-hmm. is to take all this mass of possibility and to figure out how I'm going to prioritize this. So Deacon Sean, what would you say to that? Well, I would say to start with that one of the fundamental principles of coaching, even in Orthodox, maybe especially in Orthodox coaching because of our, what our faith tells us, is non-judgment. Mm. Unlike a trainer or a consultant, the coach starts from, should start if they're doing the job properly, mm-hmm. from a place of complete non-judgment. So for me, a whole array of possibilities might be incredibly overwhelming but for another person that might be their happy place totally and we're all different the immediate questions that i would as a coach want to ask for a member of the clergy who has all these possibilities how is that working for you right now when you have all of these different things on your plate how is that working for you and the answer might be well actually it's super overwhelming or it might be actually, it's really energizing and I just love it. It just fires me up. There's no wrong answer to that. Those answers just present different paths of exploration for us as the coach. So I would just say that kind of opens up a unique aspect of what coaching is, which is just complete non-judgment in that process. Different paths of exploration. So what about another type of new priest who might be, I don't know, lacking confidence in undertaking such a big responsibility as pastor of a community? How would you approach coaching the one who might be tending toward a bit of insecurity in in this leadership role? Well, I'm going to sound like a broken record because I'm going to just sort of repeat what Deacon Sean just said. (laughs) And (laughs) as I was thinking about this question, people could be coming from all different kinds of places with regard to things like lack of confidence or insecurity. And one of the tenets of coaching is that we always coach the person. We don't coach the problem. Mm -hmm. And so we don't come with preset prescriptions, preset solutions, preset answers. We're not consultants. And so we're going to take some time to try to explore what is the relationship between this lack of confidence or insecurity and you Where is this particularly coming from for you? So that was my thought with regard to that. I say that, and at the same time, kind of underpinning the whole approach for me would be a faith and a belief that God is our ultimate confidence and security. And most of overcoming these challenges is kind of getting over ourself in a way Mm -hmm. and really setting our mind and our attention on the one who has placed us in this role, in this office his earthly representatives, the bishop who had the confidence in us to lay hands on us. Mm. I would just add to that by saying my experience with clients, I actually work a lot with clients around aspects of confidence in their different vocations. So much of what affect people's confidence are those darn ants, those thoughts that are running through our heads, the little inner voice that's telling us, you're going to fail at this. If you try this, you're going to mess up you know, you can't do this, or you're not good enough. Or da, 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 da. We all have these inner critics, these inner voices. It's a patristic 
literature would say, we enter into a dialogue with these thoughts and we start to engage them and we give credibility to them. They're just thoughts. They're not who we are. The work of the coach with a client who's struggling with confidence might be to explore, well, what gives that particular thought its validation? What is it that causes you to think that that is true? And frankly, even if it is true, how helpful is it for you to be latched onto it right now in terms of what's really important for you? You've said X, Y, and Z is really the most important thing for you. How helpful is it for you to be sitting here stewing and analyzing whether this thought is true in terms of getting on with the work that is set before you? A lot of confidence issues tend to boil down, in my experience, to our entertainment of thoughts that aren't particularly helpful. Very insightful. I have Deacon Sean's voice in my head often, the, how's that working out for you question? (laughs) Whatever it is, how is that working out for you? (laughs) That's a great question. (laughs) How might you even use curiosity and exploring possibilities with perhaps a more seasoned priest, one who maybe feels a bit stuck, a little lackluster, just coasting along? Again, the work of the coach is rooted in curiosity and questions. That's the core method of the coach. But the coach also uses different tools to evoke those questions and the revelations that might come from that questioning. And so one of my favorite tools to use, especially in a case like this, is some values discernment exercises and some values inventory. So let's get back to understanding what's really important for you and how you want to experience life. And this by the way, it gets into our little trap we as Christians can fall into, which is like somehow there's a cookie cutter approach of what a Christian should be and do and live and how they should live. That's just not true. We're all made uniquely and it's not incompatible with orthodoxy to actually go through the exercise of asking ourselves, how do we love to live and how do we like to work? So I go through an exercise of saying, well, what really animates you? What energy, what's really important to you? And through that process of getting clarity and understanding of what energizes and is truly meaningful for the client, then that unpacks, uh, well, okay, well, if you're really living that every day, how would your life be different? And that opens up a series of possibilities of what might be the next step for somebody, even who's been on the same track for a while. That's the kind of work that we would probably go through and the questions we would explore to kind of reignite the next chapter a little bit. That's great. Drilling down into values like Deacon Sean was describing is incredibly powerful. I'll just add another experience from recent work with another client who is another one going through career transition or wants to. I asked him one day because I've just never seen him super animated. He sort of fits this description a little bit, a little stuck, lackluster, coasting along. And I asked him, what do you like when you're mad? What makes you angry? Uh, This anger, this spirited energy that we have is a gift that God has given us. It's the power to get things done. It's the power to create that change. And so I was wanting to give him an opportunity to access that, to talk about that, to reflect on that, and hopefully in doing so, get in touch with a a power source for himself to try to make the changes that he wanted to make. The good news, of course, 
of the kind of person that you describe, Holly, if they come to coaching, <laughs> then they're at least aware enough of being dissatisfied with the, their current state that they want something else. Where I really feel empathy are for people who are not, you know, willing to reach out for a partner and the kind of alliance that a coaching relationship permits and provides to make that change. You see a lot of people that may fit this description that may be kind of stuck in a cynicism that will just not allow them to move forward. Mm -hmm. So if you're listening to this podcast, you're a professional coach and you want to get involved with this network, or if you're a priest or one who feels coaching services might be beneficial to you, please visit us at orthodoxservantleaders.com. We have a few professional coaches already listed who are taking new clients, including our guest today, Deacon Sean Reed and Father Paul Lundberg. There's a startup client fee and a minimum three-month commitment, which is very affordable compared to industry standards. And you can get started with a free consultation with any one of the coaches listed. Hopefully, you'll discover that coaching is a great resource to accelerate your own leadership development and self-awareness, providing you with new possibilities as you serve in your unique leadership responsibilities. So thank you, Father Paul, Deacon Sean, for a great conversation today. That was a fun conversation. Really interesting stuff. We're so grateful for the coaching skills you've extended through Dulos and the programs that we offer through the Orthodox Christian Leadership Initiative. And I'm sure the people in your own ministries have really been blessed with your coaching mindset and skills as well. So thank God for you both. Thanks, Holly. It was great. Thank you so much, Holly. It's a pleasure to be with you. Thank you. Thanks, Holly. <laughs>